0: What a fantastic win for the Dallas Cowboys 30 to 10 over the New York Jets and tonight we dive into why they looked real scary in week 2 and we talk about the two scary men leading the charge ladies and gentlemen here we go What's up everyone and welcome into adz sports dallas Primetime on a sunday night celebrating the win for the dallas cowboys welcome everyone into the show i'm your host mauricio rodriguez streaming with you live every sunday through thursday night at 8 p.m central here on dallas on demand sports talk network with a lot more content coming your way make sure that you check out adzsportscom slash Dallas. And as always, remember to hit the like button as you join the stream. Every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans who, by the way, are celebrating the second comfortable win of the season because it really was comfortable. Where there were some moments, yeah, there were some moments where it kind of got a little bit complicated here and there. Uh, The Cowboys' red zone efficiency was Nowhere where they want it to be. And we'll talk about those issues. And we'll talk about whether or not we should be hitting the panic button on that. Spoiler alert, not. But, man, that was a 20-point win over the New York Jets. And in my opinion, they looked real scary while winning this game. And they looked real scary because of two main reasons. And I'm going to go with Micah Parsons, and I'm going to go with C.D. Lamp. Let me know in the chat who is your player of the game, because I want to read it. And we'll dive into this game. We'll break it down. Welcome, everyone, into the show. We've got Darren over at Facebook. We've got Cowboy Chris on YouTube. We've got uh, Peter Rizzo, Bruce, Katharina, Toxic Tom, Tommy915, Bruce, a uh, few new faces here uh, as well in the chat, excuse me. Toxic Thompson is not Michael Gallup. He was not the player of the week. I'll I'll agree to that. Zach Martin for Renee. Micah Parsons for Rene Garcia. Darren goes with Micah. Joan Jane, excuse me, goes with Micah. Let's see here. Peter Rizzo says Micah Parsons. Chalk says Parsons and Lamb and Coach McCarthy. Micah for sure says Cowboys Korea's best player on the field. It's difficult to go with either or. I personally want to start with CV lamp. And I want to start with CV because I really think that the matchup coming into this game that had us at least a little bit nervous was facing that Jets defense. And let's get that out of the way and say every conversation that we have about this game, we need to do it objectively with one idea in our head. The Jets defense is legit. I'm not talking about decent football for the Jets on defense. I'm talking about them being potentially one of the best five defenses in the entire NFL. This is the same team that picked off Josh Allen three times on Monday night in week one, the same team that held the Buffalo Bills that scored over 30 on Sunday. They were held to 16 points by the Jets on Monday night football. This is a good defense that the Cowboys faced and still Dak Prescott went out there and completed 31 passes out of 38 attempts for 255 yard, yards, excuse me, two touchdowns, no picks, passer rating of 112. And CD Lamb was a big part of that because CD Lamb had 143 receiving yards for the Cowboys, four of the five longest plays for Dallas. Where between Dak Prescott and CD. And man, that was a scary sight. That was a scary sight, particularly because Brandon Cooks did not suit up for the game. He was inactive with a knee injury, sprained MCL. We kind of thought that that was going to be the case heading into the game. Ended up being confirmed on Saturday night that Brandon Cooks was not expected to play. And we get there and. We all knew that, hey, the Cowboys are likely going to be targeting CeeDee Lamb pretty often in this game because they've got some dogs on the outside. Sauce Gardner versus Michael Gallup or versus Jalen Tolbert did not seem like a fun matchup. And the Jets still have one of the best secondaries all across the board. But Sauce Gardner is the guy that you want to avoid at all costs when facing the the Jets. And I do think that Sauce actually had a very decent game versus the Cowboys. It was all about CeeDee. And still, the Jets could not stop the guy. 13 targets, 11 catches for 143 yards. And although he had a scoreless afternoon, it was CD, the guy. Uh, CD was a go to guy for Dak Prescott all day long. That first and 10 throw, where Dak targets him to, towards the left sideline, you get CD Lamb not only diving up in the air, full, arms fully extended. Coming down with the ball despite defensive holding. Not only do you get that from CD, but the release at the line of scrimmage in that same play is just a lit football at wide receiver. It really is. And the fact that the Jets knew that the Cowboys were going to CD lamp all game long and yet were not able to stop it is a scary sign for opponents because now you're getting some real number one wide receiver football out of CD. We knew that he was capable of it last year. He was maybe getting his feet wet in that role for a team being the alpha, being the go-to guy, but now burst the jets to have this kind of a game. You got to love it. You got to respect it. CD lamp balled out. And so did Dak Prescott. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a few moments, but that was a scary sight. Now, I do think that maybe the Jets played this game the wrong way. Uh again, they do have one of the best defenses in football, so I don't want to pile on them or anything like that. But 10 of the 11 catches of CD Lamb happened versus zone coverage. You would have assumed that hey, no Brandon Cooks, we're going to take away number 88, we're going to bracket him, we're going to have someone following him, maybe Sauce Gardner, even though he rarely does it. We're going to shadow CD. We're going to take care of him and we're going to force the Cowboys to beat us with somebody not named CD. But they didn't do that. It was zone coverage for the most part for the Cowboys. According to next gen stats, 10 of CD's 11 catches happened versus zone coverage. So maybe the old 22 re- uh, reveals more details on that, but I di- I was surprised at that number. That being said, CD was pretty much all that was going for the Cowboys in the passing game, which is fine. Hey, if it's working, why would you go elsewhere? But Tony Pollard had seven catches, second on the team. Jalen Tolbert had three catches, more than he did all of the 2022 season. And Rico Dowdle, and then you had seven other players, well, six other players beyond CD and, and Pollard and Tolbert, six other players that had at least one catch. People are mentioning Michael Gallup in the chat. He had only one catch for three yards, so nothing special from Michael Gallup, but he was also not targeted all that much. Two targets the entire game. We'll see if that was by the sign or it was just what the Jets defense was giving them when the All-22 comes out and we dive deeper into it. But if you want the Cowboys offense to take the next step and if you want to evaluate who Mike McCarthy is as a play caller, 11 catches in one game for CD Lamb tells you a lot, in my opinion, because it tells you that the Cowboys wanted to throw the football against this defense. It tells you that McCarthy found a way to feed the horse throughout the entire game. Maybe not in the red zone, which was a head-scratcher that the Cowboys didn't seem to prioritize number 88 inside the 20-yard line. But, hey, great stuff from CD though. Overall, when you have a connection... Between a quarterback and a wideout that he can go to, even if your number two wideout is not around because he's injured against a defense of this caliber, you gotta be happy about that. That was a fun game between these two. And we saw CD Lamb making some tough catches. We saw him earn some tough yards after the catch. There was that one play that, yeah, he fumbles at the end. Tyler Viadish ends up recovering it. So shout out to Tyler Viadish. But that yards after the catch production from CD is really where he's at his most dangerous. And and that is a scary sight too from CeeDee. That really is. Now, I know that we are concerned a little bit about the red zone. Darren here says, we won for sure, but we need to make touchdowns in the red zone. The numbers say it all, right? The numbers are two for six for the Cowboys. So six red zone trips. They only got two touchdowns out of that. And what's even more frustrating than that is the fact that they had five goal-to-go drives. So that means not only in the red zone, but actually first and goal, second and goal. So five drives where they were in goal-to-go situations and only two touchdowns out of that. This is going to be controversial because I do agree that if you want to point towards one problem in this game, in this 30-10 to win, it's got to be that. You're not going to get a whole lot of other options beyond the Cowboys' performance in the red zone. If you want to nitpick something, it's got to be this. It's got to be the red zone performance. I'm not panicking about it. Let me know in the chat. Would you press the panic button, yes or no, regarding red zone offense? Let me know in the chat. Are you pressing the button or are you not pressing the panic button? Let me know in the chat. Two for six, again. Now, I do have some complaints about the way that things went in the red zone, but I got to start by saying that I'm not clicking that button. I'm not pressing that button because I got to give it to the Jets. I cannot sit here for a full week in front of this camera, in front of this microphone and tell you, hey, this game might be a little bit tougher than we think because the Jets defense is really good. I cannot sit here and talk about Quinan Williams and John Franklin Myers and Sauce Gardner and Jordan Whitehead. And all of the very talented defensive players that the Jets have only to hate on the Cowboys offense because they're not getting those red zone touchdowns every single time. I cannot do it. I I really can't. I got to give some respect to the Jets. They were plugging the gaps. They were playing tight coverage in the backhand. And when we see the old 22, that's going to become even more clear. But even from the TV broadcast, you could see that sometimes – They were covering up everything and Dak had nowhere to go. And sometimes the run plays had nowhere to go because the Jets defensive line is legit. Their linebacker core is legit. So no, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet with the red zone offense for the Cowboys. First and foremost, overall, beyond the red zone, they're going to be one of the most efficient offenses of the day in week two. They are. Dak Prescott had fantastic efficiency numbers. He had 0.4 EPA per play, which is a very high number. One of the best for quarterbacks in the NFL this year, for sure. He completed passes at, I think it was like 12% completion percentage over expectations. So analytically, even the stats say that the Cowboys offense had itself a day. Most of that, again, was through CV. Do I have some complaints about the red zone offense? Sure, I do. Seems like the new version of the four horsemen did not work out as the Cowboys hoped for. Last year, it was Dalton Schultz, McKeon, Hendershot, and Ferguson. This time, you swapped out Schultz and McKeon for Schoonmaker and and Hunter Lipke, who was out there in those personnel groupings near the goal line. They didn't work out. Uh, There was the jet sweep with Peyton Hendershot, I've seen people argue that, hey, there was a gap open. He should have crashed upfield and just take the touchdown. Maybe that is the case, but it's questionable play calling here and there. Uh, other runs were just completely stopped by the by the Jets' defense. You got to give it to them. Dak Prescott sailed the Jake Ferguson pass in the goal line up by a little bit. I'm not gonna hate Dak Prescott for it. He had a heck of a game, but there were some execution issues. There were some. Play calling issues, I think, somewhere in between. But this is week two of the Mike McCarthy offense, man. This is week two. Remember, the Cowboys are changing things up completely. And they were playing without their number two wide receiver. And they were playing with a backup left guard, which eventually became the third string left guard in TJ Voss. So, yeah, I'm not going to hate on the Cowboys red zone offense for that. Uh, It wasn't a great game in that particular aspect of things, but no time, no no need, excuse me, to press the panic button. Let's go. Let's see what you guys have to say here in the chat regarding the panic button. Rita is not hitting it. Cowboy Chris isn't either. Uh, Tommy915 isn't either. Darren says panic button. John Jones says no. Peter Rizzo, somewhere in between, he says concerned but not panicked. Toxic Tom says, absolutely not. They are still scoring, which is what matters. Joey Vela says, nope. Katharina says, no panic. Cowboy Chris also mentions that the Cowboys did not have any sort of preseason football for Dak and company, which is maybe a topic in and of itself that could cause some controversy. But I agree with Cowboy Chris. Luis Perez says, not panicking here. So yeah, honestly, I got to give it to the Jets mostly. I got to give it to the Jets. They played some top-tier football near the red zone. Uh, They're really one of the best units out there, man. Marcus says the Jets are a very good defensive team. They really are. uh, In the run game, that was noticeable throughout the entire day. Tony Pollard averaged 2.9 yards per play, and he had some moments. He had the 23-yard rush. He had the touchdown. He had some good moments, Tony Pollard did, but there were still a lot of them where You know, they were getting tackles for a loss or they were getting met at the line of scrimmage. Rico Dowdow, though, 26 yards for himself. Deuce Vaughn got involved today, ladies and gentlemen, and not in trash time like in week one. Deuce Vaughn was out there in the opening drives of the game. In the first quarter, Deuce Vaughn was getting some playing time, which was something to jot down, in my opinion. That's got to be something to monitor moving forward because he was targeted. He had three targets, three catches, 16 yards, and then he had three other rush attempts. And by the way, look at me in the eye and deny that when the Cowboys targeted Deuce Vaughn for the first time, which was a third down, didn't move the chains, you still celebrated. Tell me you didn't, I don't believe you. I think we all were kind of excited that Deuce Vaughn was getting a regular season catch out there in the first quarter. (laughs) There were some rough moments though. Uh, here and there Dak Prescott almost threw a pick six let's I mean you guys know that I like Dak you guys know that I'm for Dak that was a rough moment there rough moment Uh, he was targeting CV on the right sideline sauce Gardner one footstep away from getting his hands on the football and taking it to the house what do I like about it what did I like about it next play Dak Prescott, under pressure, in his face, knowing that he's going to get hit. Short release, horizontal release, looked like a sidearm throw, like those from uh, Patrick Mahomes and stuff. Laser to Cavante Turpin and moved the chains. Gotta gotta appreciate it. Gotta appreciate that. Bounce back from one play to another. Tony Romo, throughout halftime, he was talking about the footwork from Dak Prescott and how that was helping him deal with under-pressure scenarios. And, you know, you never know how tapped in commentators are into certain situations. So you got to take every one of those comments with a grain of salt. But Dak Prescott goes out there after the game and he talks about it. He, He talked about it to the media. He said the same things that Roma was suggesting in the TV broadcast. He was talking about how that connection, because, you know, the Cowboys are playing this West Coast offense and perhaps the biggest trait of a West Coast offense is the fact that The timing is a priority, and the footsteps and the drops from a quarterback are directly connected to the way that the receivers are running their routes. So, if I'm at my three-step drop, three-step, boom, the receiver is there. This is where I'm going with the football. Fifth step, this is what I'm doing. Fourth step, it's all connected. And maybe we continue to see that throughout the game, throughout the year. Excuse me. This game, I think it was pretty noticeable because Dak was under pressure. A lot. Again, that's fair. This is a good defense that the Cowboys were facing. So I want to see more of that, more of that for sure. Now, those are my overall thoughts, offensively speaking. They are. Uh, I understand the Michael Gallup concerns that I see in the chat. I do understand it. I also know that the number one wideout, though, got 13 targets while working the slot. So I want to give him a pass for now, right? I want to give him that pass. I don't want to panic about Michael Gallup when I know that the Cowboys offense was moving the football through one guy and that was number 88. If he's there, if he is getting open, why go elsewhere? I want to say, though, Cowboys offense, one of the best in the NFL after two weeks. This is for Ben Balwin's rbsdm.com website where he has analytics. Uh, type of numbers epa per play success rates all that cowboys are all the way up there defensively so vertical axis is the best defense you can see that the cowboys do have the best defense after two weeks in efficiency wise and then offensively they've got a top five one two three four five five six ish uh unit and if you look at the passing numbers on this website they are actually the third most efficient passing offense after Three weeks of, after two weeks of football, this is be- before uh, today's Sunday night game between the Patriots and the Dolphins. So it might change, but still, pretty good football offensively for the Cowboys. Now, let's get to the exciting Cowboy defense, man. The exciting Cowboy defense. Because, man, oh, man, Micah Parsons, bro. Micah Parsons, we know. We know who Micah is. We know how good he is. Right now, I have a tough time knowing if there is somebody else as good as he defensively. Maybe the one guy that could get in that discussion could be maybe potentially Aaron Donald still. Miles Garrett is also a pretty good pass rusher, but I'm not taking any of them over Micah right now. Micah is playing. At a very insane level. And forget about the defensive player of the year award. Because that's going to depend on sacks a whole lot. So maybe Micah doesn't get there sacks wise. I don't care. Micah is the best defensive player in football right now. He really is. The way that he impacts the game is pretty awesome. But his speed and the domination that he has off of it. Was in full display today. And it started in the first drive. I want to talk about this play and we'll break it down once the old 22 comes out. Uh, But this play was pretty cool. First drive of the game defensively for the Cowboys. The the Jets are facing third and five and the Cowboys show pressure at the line of scrimmage. And Micah is on the edge. Micah is all the way on the edge and he's got Chauncey Goldstone inside of him and Ozo Digizuwa one next to Chauncey. So, Micah is essentially facing the tackle to simplify things. Shauncy is facing the guard, and then Oza is facing the he's facing the, the center. Micah is gonna stunt inside, but he's gonna take three full steps towards the right tackle. Three full steps he takes, and then Oza and Shauncy are both working the, the, the stunt here. And you can see this screenshot that I took. And Micah is going to shoot inside two full gaps. So Shauncey and, and, and Ozar are occupying the left guard and the center. As you can see, if Micah stuns inside, there is nobody to protect that A-gap. As the center is sliding to the right, the right guard, excuse me, is working the right side. He's not assuming that Micah is going to shoot from the edge to the A-gap. So... The right guard is not even concerned about Micah, but it's not going to be noticeable with this picture, obviously, but Micah gets to Zach Wilson at such a speed that it honestly seems like he's lined up over the A-gap pre-snap, but he's not. He's shooting from the edge. He's stunting to the A-gap and getting in the face of Zach Wilson at a remarkable speed, and that's just... Reinforcing what we already know that Micah is a freakish athlete that might not even be human, and all of that. We all know that Micah is a freak, but I keep telling you, I keep circling back to this on prime time, and I'm sorry to be so repetitive, but the way the then Queen utilizes Micah Parsons is insane because we get all sorts of looks. Sometimes it's Micah stunting from the inside; another In times, like last week you get a stunt designed to free Micah Parsons so he's not even stunting but there is a stunt going on freeing him up the way that Micah is used by Dan Quinn is honestly one of the finest works in uh, finest jobs in all of coaching right now in the NFL we talk a lot about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and obviously they're great they're winning super bowls together blah 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 but i would honestly put Micah's uh, Queen's job with Micah up there with Andy Reid's job with Patrick Mahomes and how he uses him because it's insane it's insane what they do with with Parsons and it's too much variety too so Micah is obviously going to be lining up on the right edge pretty much all of the time but the majority is the right word not all of the time he's going to be lining up there the majority of the snaps. But then he's gonna move to the A gap, and then he's gonna move to the left side. And every time that he moves around, there's an intention behind it. And we keep seeing, we keep seeing, we keep seeing that work, and it's so so good and satisfying. It's it's great. Uh, we'll break down that play in the film room, and you'll get to see me rave about it one more time. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry, but I get excited, and I want to show you the video of it when it comes out. Joey Vela says, Mauricio, it's art when you break it down. Joy Vela, that means the world to me. Thank you so much for that comment. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say, though. Micah is the man. Dude is a beast. There's no denying him, says Cheryl. And this is what I mostly mean when I say that this was a real scary win. Because if you are an opponent preparing for the Cowboys, you got to admit at some point, hey, listen, there might not be a way to stop Micah. And... The way that CD looked today, there might not be a way to stop CD Lamb when he's playing like he was playing on Sunday. Now, again, I'm not necessarily a fan of how the Jets actually played CD. I would have expected much more man coverage versus number 88, considering that Brandon Cooks had not sued up. But yeah. Toxic Tom says "Mo, were you even alive when Dallas last beat the Jets in 2007? <laughs> As I was. <laughs> I was alive. I was eight years old when that happened. I wasn't nearly as close to being bought in uh, with the Cowboys. I was already a fan. I already watched the games and everything. But I've always thought that my, my fandom for football in general took a life of its own maybe in 2012 or 2013. I actually like to think in my mind that are two key moments. One... And it's actually from, the, from those years, like the Jason Witten no-helmet play and the Tony Romo with Marco Mori touchdown versus Washington to have a shot at the playoffs in week 17 when, when Romo's back gives out. That's perhaps one of the most defining moments that I've had as a football fan. <laughs> that was when it became an obsession, I believe. Dexter says Parsons could have done multiple, uh, excuse me, Dexter says Parsons could have done a couple of spin moves and got to him more. Dude couldn't hold him. Parsons could have had eight sacks. Parsons is not human and he only gets better and better. Uh, I think that he objectively is getting better and better. And that's not because, oh, he's been in the NFL for three years now. This is his third year. So he's going to learn this and learn that. Yeah. I mean, that's the natural evolution of a player in the league, but, Micah specifically is somebody that was winning with raw football, raw speed, raw power. He didn't have a pass rush toolkit to work with, and that's what we're seeing in 2023. And we know that he was preparing with Andrew Withworth, the future Hall of Famer. We know that he has this unique hunger to get better and to get better, which is even scarier. But yeah. CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, biggest takeaways from this game. They make this team legitimately scary. And when we talk about the Cowboys potentially being in the Super Bowl, when we talk about the Cowboys potentially beating the Eagles for the NFC East, going to San Francisco in week five and getting that win potentially, it's because of these guys, I believe. It's because of CeeDee on offense, Micah on defense. And yeah, Dak Prescott, man. Uh, Dak had a great game and people might not appreciate it because... Maybe they wanted more red zone touchdowns, which I understand. But again, this is a very legit defense. And Dak and and the offense had, honestly, one of the most efficient days that you saw in Week 2 in the entire NFL. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, some more notes. Let's talk about some more stuff that happened on Sunday. Yes, the Cowboys did not score as much in the red zone. They didn't convert it into touchdowns necessarily all of the time. Four drives. They settled for three. And then there was a couple other drives. Now, excuse me. There were out of those four drives that they didn't capitalize on. Three were in goal-to-go situations. But guess who did step up? Guess who did step up? And Toxic Tom read my mind. He knew where I was going. I telegraphed the play. It's okay. We have a kicker. Sure looks like it. (laughs) Sure looks like it. Brandon Aubrey missed his first extra point as a cowboy in week one. Hasn't missed since. Five field goals today. Five field goals. You had one extra point made too. 16 points. He scored over 50% of today's points, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not as concerned about Brandon Aubrey anymore. And am I going to feel comfortable if the Cowboys need to win a game through him? Not necessarily, maybe not yet. But I really didn't think that the Cowboys kicker was going to be this consistent. And five field goals in a single game, making all of them, is consistent football. You got to give it to him. Juan Daniel says, Aubrey, great notice. I agree. It really is. Joey Bell says, uh, I meant that about Dan Queen using Micah and company's art, but your content is the reason why I'm here. Shout out to Joey Bell. I appreciate you, man, so much. Uh, Catherine says, there's still all kinds of crap talk on Dak, but we had possession of the ball for 42 minutes. Jets had for 17 minutes. It was insane. I know that we already talked about the defense, but let me say this. Cowboys held the Jets to one for 10 on third down. One for 10. 410 you drop back versus these defense you better have a very good quarterback or a very good offensive line otherwise it sure sounds like you're gonna see the same kind of football that you saw versus the giants and versus the jets because yeah the cowboys it's fair to say it's fair to point that out haven't faced a top tier offense yet so it's gonna be interesting to see when the cowboys maybe go against the the 49ers and they have a poor offensive line. So we'll see how that plays out. But if unless you have a top-tier QV or a top tier offensive line, this is what it's gonna go down, in my opinion. That that's what we've learned through two weeks of football. You cannot face this offensive this defensive line and this pass rush and this defense and expect things to go significantly different to What happened today at AT AT&T Stadium versus the Jets or last week at MetLife versus the Giants. This is the kind of ballgame that you're going to get if you are in need to drop back to pass. And I got to say, Cowboys run defense, looking good too. Looking good too. Brees Hall, four carries, nine yards. Carter, two carries, eight yards. Dalvin Cook, four carries, seven yards. The only guy that could run on the Cowboys was Zach Wilson, and that was Scrambling here and there. This team has the Mojo, says Joey blood. And yes, I do think they do. I cannot wait for sounds of the sideline. Sounds from the sideline. Of the sideline? From the sideline? Now I'm confused. But I cannot wait for that show, uh, for that video this week. Last week's show really got me hyped up. Uh, Last week's video, sorry, series, whatever the word is. From sounds from the sideline, that that Dak Prescott speech capture or kill, and we don't capture. Oh man, that that was that was some scary stuff from Dak Prescott. I loved it. Let's see here. Kicker looked great. Says Dexter Williams, he sure did. Other than that, man, Chumaya Daga went down. TJ Bass had to enter the game, and you kind of want you kind of knew that he was gonna get at least destroyed once by Quinn and Williams. This is the NFL. There are levels to to the game. And T.J. Voss in week two of his NFL career wasn't supposed to go well against Quinn and Williams. I talked about it on my halftime show in my Spanish page. And then first drive, Quinn and Williams destroys T.J. Voss and gets the tackle for a loss. Got to give it to him, man. And hopefully, guy is fine moving forward. It seems like early reports are promising. Even if Tyler Smith comes back, you want Chuma to be the left guard backup, in my opinion, Right now, maybe that changes in the future. Other notes, Dak Prescott did take one sack that in my opinion is inexcusable. He's rolling out, working the play side and he's looking to the backside to maybe find, I think it was Jalen Tolbert, but I gotta make sure. So asterisk on that, I might be wrong, but he looks to the backside and tries to see if his receiver is there. He isn't. And in my opinion, he just needs to get rid of the football. He doesn't need to take that sack. That wasn't on the offensive line, obviously. That was totally on Dak Prescott. Now, on one hand, that is the case. On the other hand, the Luke Schoonmaker touchdown was pretty similar, where he's rolling to the the right side, which is the play side because he's got the reads there, and then works back to the backside, and Luke Schoonmaker is kind of like on this crossing route to the left side and finds him wide open, and that's an underrated throw from Dak Prescott, I think, because those kind of plays are not easy to do. They're not easy to pull off, and Dak did. Got to love it. Got to respect it. Let's see here. (laughs) Oh, man, the comments here. Some of these comments. Did you notice that Aubrey kicked it through the uprights multiple times on the kickoffs, Is Travis Powers? I actually did not. That is amazing to know. I did not catch that. Bloodslinger says, I hope that Martin is okay. Early reports, at least from Jane Slater from NFL Network, she suggested that yes, he is. Ankle injury was the words that she used. So at least we know that it wasn't like a re aggravation of the groin injury that put him in the injury report earlier this week. That should be seen as a positive. But hopefully, Sack is good, man, to go because he was going through it late in the game. You could see the pain. You could see that he was struggling with it, but it's Zach Martin. I don't think that anyone would dare ask him to get off the field unless he wanted to. Mark Andrews says a win is a win. And do not get me wrong. When I say that the Cowboys look real scary in win versus the Jets, I mean it in a positive win, a way. This was not an ugly win at all. This was a good statement win, even if it was against the Aaron Rodgers-less Jets because we got to see the Cowboys dominate defensively. We got to see the Cowboys really look efficient on offense against one of the best defenses in football. So it was more than just a win is a win. It was a good win for the Cowboys entering week three. They could go 3-0, and 4-0. We talked about it one week before the season, and it's coming to fruition. Sure, we didn't know that Aaron Rodgers was not going to be playing this game Uh, Back then, but still, it's looking good. And the Cowboys pass rush is dominating like we anticipated. Uh, A few more notes that are on my mind before we get out of here. Stephon Gilmore did lose that rep versus um, Garrett Wilson. Again, it's tough. We think that it's all about the Cowboys, but sometimes we forget that there's a team full of professionals playing on the other side. He got the best of Stephon Gilmore in that particular 68-yard play, and then Malik Hooker is coming from depth, misses the tackle, 68-yard touchdown for the Jets gives the game a little bit closer for an ex- more extended period of time that we anticipated. But that was a play that was definitely important when it happened because it made it set uh, it made it 10 to seven, so it was a three point game back then. Uh, six penalties for the Cowboys, 38 yards. In total, they did take the ball away four times. Overall, gotta love what the Cowboys did on Sunday night, on Sunday afternoon, excuse me. And now they're 2-0. and And we're used to the drama. We're used to feeling the stress late in games. We have yet to feel that this year. And I don't think that it will change in week three versus the Arizona Cardinals. Let me see if the spreads are out before we get out of here and before I read some more of your comments Let me try to find the spread for next week because it's sitting at minus 12 and a half. That's a college football spread. Cowboys are on the road and they they are favored by 12 and a half. You know which other team is favored by 12 and a half? The Kansas City Chiefs who are playing at home versus the Chicago Bears. Don't let anybody tell you, man, that this Cowboys team is not a Super Bowl contender because the betting markets... Are treating them like such (laughs) they really are man they really are this team bro this team is not the 2021 cowboys it's not the 2022 cowboys yep this is this is a special one this is a special one bruce says uh tight ends can get moving against arizona then i would like kyle pitts and i know that des bryant was pounding the table for this one to happen I don't know that the Falcons go down in their asking price for Kyle Pitts enough for the Cowboys to be interested. I, that's just my take. Uh, that being said, though, if you ask me would I like Kyle Pitts on a Cowboys uniform, heck, yeah, I would. I just don't know if they move on from him that easily. Uh, shout out to Stevie Mack, who I saw somewhere in there. I wonder if Sean Payton wants to leave Denver already, he asked in the chat. Man, that's a rough start for the Broncos. And it's even tougher that they made the Hail Mary and then failed to score on the two-point conversion. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. That will be it for me on this Sunday night. But we will see each other again on Monday, 8 p.m. Central. Going to go back, going to watch the replay. I don't think that I'm going to have the coaches film for tomorrow's show. But if we do, then we're going to break down some plays and we're going to have some fun this week. For those of you who are new to the show, we are live every Sunday through Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central. As you know, you also get Skywalker every single morning throughout the week. So subscribe to ADZ Sports Dallas and follow us along for this 2023 season where we are hoping that the Cowboys can take that next step. Also, check out the website at ADZ Sports com I published my recap in there. I will do that every single week throughout the season. And, of course, you can get all of your Cowboys content in there. See you tomorrow night. Muchísimas gracias. Los Cowboys van 2-0. Adiós.